0: Welcome to part one of this two-part episode, where we speak with Annie, a former school teacher. She had everything she ever wanted. She was healthy and enjoying a thriving career. She was happily married and a new mother. But when she was involved in an accident that left her with chronic and sometimes debilitating pain, the future she'd envisioned for herself was shattered and her life unrecognizable. She waited 13 years for a resolution and experienced multiple layers of loss during that time. When she finally received a settlement from the insurance company a year ago, she really hoped to close this chapter and reclaim her life, but she still feels stuck and she doesn't know why. She wants to know what she can do to find the purpose and fulfillment she longs for so she can step out from the shadows and fully inhabit her life.
1: Hey, it's Ron Thiessen. Welcome to another episode of the Human Being Project by The Change Evolutionist, where my daughter Janelle and I explore the difference between being and doing.
0: In a world of constant distractions, sky-high expectations, and the relentless pursuit of more, we examine what would happen if we made space for more being and less doing.
2: So I had a car accident 13 years ago, and so I haven't been working and um, last year, the SAC decided to finally make their final decision.
1: The SAC that you're talking about, Société assurance de Québec.
2: Exactly.
1: The people that take care of auto insurance and everything, just for our listeners who don't know what that is if they don't live in Quebec.
2: Yes, it's given me some peace of mind. But now moving forward, it's kind of left me in a state of what, What do I do next? Because the last 13 years, I've always been in an unsure position with the SAC. It's always Mm. been um, kind of uh, a feeling of waiting, waiting what's going to happen next. Always waiting for their phone call of the unknown, you know, uh, insecurity basically with them. So now I have peace of mind since last year, but it's also given me some sort of feeling of what comes next what do i do now with my life because i'm not going to go back to my pre-accident job if you will and mm-hmm. um i'm 45 and i don't know what to do next it's it's almost kind of like a mini midlife crisis if you will <laughs> in the sense that i i I'm'm I'm, I feel a little bit lost I feel that I have spent the last 13 years kind of in limbo waiting mm. uh, to know what what will happen and now I mm. finally know but um, I'm I kind of have this uh, opportunity if you will if I look at it more positively uh, to kind of reevaluate my life and and figure out what it's uh, kind of caused me to ask you know what is my purpose in life and what do I want to do and and it's also kind of I suffer from chronic pain so I do have limitations physical limitations and uh I do have limitations in terms of stress I have to manage my stress because they have a direct impact on my physical limitations so I have to I have to watch out for that and uh I sort of don't know anymore what I, what my passions are. And so I'm just in a reevaluation stage. Mm. And, um, I, it just, it's so confusing for me. It's that feeling of being lost and not knowing your, your purpose, your why I've never felt this, uh, I've never felt this before. You know,
1: so do you mind if I take you back a step or two, uh, just to the, to, to find out where you're at? Mm-hmm. Uh, your 13 years of waiting for this, uh, has been a long time and had a huge impact on your life and, uh, you know, changed really everything about what your, your plans were and, and everything that happened to you. And, um, so now that you've had this, uh, settlement and you are released now to to think about what the rest of your life is going to entail. I'm curious as to whether you have um, disconnected from all all of the pain and all of the frustration of the last 13 years. And if so, how did you do that?
2: It's a great question. Um, 13 years is a long time. It feels like a lifetime Um, and so much has happened during that time and so much was lost during that time. Also, uh, you know, my son was 10 months old when I had the accident and he's 14 now. And, uh, I lost a marriage during that time. I, I lost a career, um, So there was many dreams and many hopes of things that didn't come to be. So I had to really work hard and I'm still working hard to make peace with that. And the pain, it's management every day because it's not something that just goes away in my case. It's mm-hmm. something that I will live with every day, and it's it is a constant struggle. And I had to um, learn to accept it. There was stages. I mean, I think with everything um, like that in life, I think you know you do go through your stages. There was anger and uh, frustration, and and uh, I think I went through a part where I didn't want to accept it but after 13 years I think I have come to a point where I do accept it it's it's part of my life now and uh, there are days where I, I struggle and I wish that it wasn't there yes and I think that will forever be there maybe but um I, I do manage it. I'm still part of the pain clinic in Montreal. I still deal with my doctors and my specialists there. And because there's always new advancements and things like that in, in medicine. So my medication is always changing. It's always improving. But in terms of myself, I think there's always room for growth and improvement. So, um, I think next year I might be a better version of this year and, mm-hmm. um, or I hope to be. And so the journey continues, but it definitely was not easy. I like to think that the pain that I've had and the journey that it, it brought me through, um, it definitely impacted everything and everyone in my immediate circle. So it definitely was a, a difficult, uh, yeah. 13 years. So
1: I hear you talking about pain and frustration and uh, changed dreams, like uh, things that you just will never be able to do. So that's a lot of pain to deal with besides the physical pain that you deal with as well. Do you have any practices in your life that help you manage the mental and psychological pain as well as the the physical pain?
2: Yes. Through the pain clinic, meditation was something that was really encouraged and um mindfulness was something that was very encouraged and those are two things that I try to do but my meditation isn't the type of meditation that um you know is I think thought of traditionally I don't go retreat in a room and put on music and lay there and meditate. I okay. do it more in an open space. There might be people around and I'll close my eyes and I have my moment of where I just try to let go in that moment. So I think we have to find each our ways of doing it that works for us. Mm-hmm. Because for me, I tried the traditional and it just doesn't work for me. I can't do it. So whatever, you know, my advice to anyone who's trying to do meditation is, you know, you do what works for you. For me, wherever I am, try and relax and let go. If that's what soothes you, if that's what brings you peace, less stress, then so be it. But I try so much right now is to, to just be in the moment, to not anticipate what's coming, what was. It's just to just be in the moment and, and be present because I am by nature an anxious person. So trying to, to be in the moment is really what grounds me. And that's what my big focus is on right now.
1: And do you have results? Do you feel like you have developed something that works for you and enables you to even manage the psychological and mental pain? Is it enabling you to do that? Or do you still feel like you need something more?
2: A little difficult to answer for sure. It's something that helps it contributes to managing my pain. It's definitely a contributor in terms of pain management. On its own, it wouldn't be enough. I won't lie. Um, but it's it's something that helps. You know, I don't believe in just one thing. So for me, I, I have to try many things. Because one thing alone isn't going to give me enough results. So uh, I'm a big believer in, in trying many things at once to get mm-hmm. the full, full results. The best yeah. that you can get to 100%. So, I mean, I'll never get 100%. I'll never get no pain. But the, the best I can do is, is try many things and the combination of it will bring me the closest, the biggest results. Right. so uh that's <clears throat> what I try to do so you know there's the medication there's the the meditation the mindfulness you know doing things around me that can lower my stress mm. being aware of, of what increases my my stress levels and trying to lower those there's doing some some physical activity whether it's walking going on a small I don't want to say a hike but you know, just a little walk around the mountain, getting some fresh air, just to get get your blood moving, you know. Um, You don't want to just be sitting around, and just the combination of everything, you know, is going to uh, be beneficial for sure.
0: Because Annie is dealing with chronic pain that increases and decreases in intensity, depending on the day or even the hour, It's clear she's looking for as much relief as possible, which I'm sure is why she's a believer in trying many things at once to get the best results. The only danger with this strategy is that the hunt for immediate relief may lead her to try something only briefly and move on before she has a chance to fully experience the benefits if the results aren't instantaneous. A mindfulness practice, for example, it's a long-term strategy. Over time, it can be incorporated into everything because it involves slowing things down, taking in each experience and feeling, and then sitting with whatever comes up. But it's not something that you're going to see results from overnight. Although I understand her desire to do as much as possible to get the best results, it's probably more important to first determine what results she's actually looking for. Is it just a desire to be free from physical pain? Or is there more to it than that? I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I hope you feel safe and comfortable to join the conversation in the private Facebook community, or even leave a comment through Pod Inbox. If you want to weigh in on the conversation, check out the show notes for links.
1: If we talk about what's in the future for you, I would want to know what it is that you were doing before and whether that was fulfilling for you. And then to know if you could reimagine feeling like you're contributing, because I'm sure that's what you want to do. You're you're thinking, how do I contribute to, to life and to society and to my family, etc. So, you know, I know that that's the motivation, the interior motivation for you. Um, but in order to do that, I think you're going to need to reimagine So let me ask you, the work that you were doing, which I believe was teaching, right? When you had the accident? That's right. Was that something that you really, uh, did you want to do that for a long time? Did you find the job fulfilling? Was it, did you feel like this is going to be a career for me? I I really enjoy what I'm doing. How did you feel about that at that time?
2: I was teaching high school. I was teaching science and math. And I, I wanted to be a teacher for a very long time on and off. From a very young age, I wanted to teach. And then I went back and forth from wanting to be a veterinarian for a very long time. And I actually did my studies to become a veterinarian. And then after Sejep, I traveled alone out west. And uh, I remember I called my father from out west. And he says, I have to uh, send your applications for university. And I said, okay, and he says, I'm going to send one to McGill, and I'm going to send one to Concordia. <laughs> mm. And he said, uh, he said, okay, tell me what to send them into. And I said, well, what are my options? Because at that time, I knew I wasn't going to become a veterinarian because I couldn't stand having to put animals down. I couldn't stand the sight of a hurt animal in pain, and mm. so it, it, I couldn't go into that field anymore. Mm. And so... I had to change my options, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so when my father called me and said, what, what do I put for you as an option? He read me some options and he said, well, there's teaching. And he said, the good thing about teaching is there's a stage you know, every year. So you'll be put into the position of teaching the first year. And if you don't like it, you can switch out after the first year.
1: So so he's saying you could do an internship after the first year.
2: Exactly. Okay. And at that time it was a four, four year program. So I said, Mm -hmm. Oh, well, you know, I said, put that as my first choice then. And it was that kind of decision right off so fast, you know? And then I Mm -hmm. think I put psychology second and philosophy third. It was one, two, three bang and send my applications. And I got into McGill in elementary education. And I, I, in my four years, I I absolutely Mm. loved it. Mm. But the teaching itself, I taught in the private in the beginning, and then I switched to high school education. Okay. And I loved it, but I loved moments of when I was having conversations with my class when we were just speaking and bouncing ideas and talking. I mean, I taught grade eight science, for example, and there's a part in the curriculum in grade eight science, which my son is actually doing right now. He's in grade eight science and it's the sex ed part of the curriculum. And the kids just eat it up. You can imagine, right? Their Mm. minds are just spinning and they're so curious and And that part of the curriculum is so fun to teach because Mm. they're just so curious. They have a billion questions. And so that part of teaching, it's just conversations, answering questions, and it's life. It's just Mm. life. And you're just Mm. having conversations conversations with them. And that's what it's about. And that I love. I eat it up. Mm. But the discipline... The testing, the evaluations, all that, no, I could do without. But the human contact and just having the conversations and helping them, oh, yes, that Mm -hmm. I love.
1: So during the 13 years, I'm just curious, I'm asking this question out of curiosity. During the 13 years that you were waiting for this to be settled, um, I, I know you couldn't teach because of the physical limitations, were you also limited by your agreement with the insurance company that you couldn't do other work as well? Like it it was while you were waiting, you couldn't be doing anything, right? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. During that time, did you ever have any dreams of things that you would like to do knowing that you probably wouldn't be teaching again? Yes. At
2: one point I got into a lot of redecorating my house and I I love there's a part of me that always been into hands-on things and so do-it-yourself things and uh arts and crafts things and so I got into a lot of home decor and redoing things around the house and woodworking. I did a lot of woodwork when I was young and okay. uh so I got into a lot of DIYs around the house and I imagined myself you know redoing furniture and I imagined what it would be like to just buy old furniture and flipping it and uh, what it would be like to just sell it but you know after redoing it and that was just like a small dream of mine and Gosh, I have a love of animals, right? So uh, yeah. I started seeding homeless cats outside and building shelters for them for the winter. And I wanted to rescue all the animals of the neighborhood, you know, <laughs> and so. how I could uh, run that. My boyfriend wasn't too happy there. There was too many cats coming around. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. So you you have this love of animals, which is which is still there and is still strong how much limitation do you have in things that you can do? It sounds like if these different projects that you had going on, you're not sitting around. You also have obviously this artistic bent as well and that decorative thing. And Mm -hmm. if you're doing woodworking, you also have to have some dexterity. So all those things, do you have those in spite of your pain?
2: I can do them, but for very small increments of time. And it depends on the day. Some days I can't do them at all. So because I suffer Mm. from chronic migraines. Mm. So some days there's zero things going on, right? Uh, On a good day, I can, I can do some of those things, but I can do them for very specific amount of times on and off. It's kind of like my cleaning around the house, right? I can, on a good day, I can get some cleaning done, but I can do it in, small doses so i can do it for a little bit and then i have to stop you know kind of time myself and then make sure i take a break because if not then the pain kind of comes on and then it i can cause like neck pain facial pain and then migraine Mm -hmm. so it's kind Mm -hmm. of just dosing it Mm. but i can do things for sure it's just knowing knowing my limitations. Um, But I've always told myself that I could, how do you call it, benevolent, uh, sorry for the... Uh, uh, Volunteer.
1: Volunteer Volunteer.
2: work, yes. Volunteer work, uh, like in an animal shelter or something, could be good in the sense that, you know, I give of my time, you know, whether it's an hour here or an hour there, it's respectful of, my limitations in the sense Mm. that you know i'm i'm giving what i can right Mm -hmm.
1: and and for sure that's what you have to do right you have to you have to uh, you have to operate within the the limitations that you have
0: that's right so we're talking a lot about annie's limitations but i'm hoping she understands that she's only limited by what she believes she's capable of There's no question that the feeling of powerlessness that she's lived under for 13 years has taken a toll on her mind and spirit. It's created bigger and bigger roadblocks to moving forward. She's very careful about what she commits to because she can't predict the direction her body may take at any given moment. Unfortunately, it's also keeping her isolated and withdrawn and even questioning her purpose I think she would benefit from redirecting her focus away from her current limitations and onto her incredible ability to create whatever reality she chooses. I I think we all would benefit from that, me included. Yes, she currently has physical limitations. But because they exist now, does it mean they'll exist forever? Or does she have the power to switch the script?
1: So if I asked you what are what are some of the things that who you are you you bring to any interaction with with other people whether it's within your family or wherever it is if i'm asking people who know you, who is Annie, you know, what, what kinds of things would people say about you? Just even just words, not, not necessarily sentences, although there may be sentences too, but, but if I'm asking somebody, or if I'm asking you, what are some of the strengths that you feel like you possess as a human being? What would those be?
2: Oh, Ron, you're asking me a tough question there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well you know you better than anybody so uh, you should know, be able to answer but
2: them <laughs> like you're asking me to uh, give, give myself compliments here it's like pulling teeth you know <laughs> nothing
1: nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with that <laughs>
2: I suppose I'm generous I'm Well, uh, oh, yeah, what would people say about me they would say I'm generous I'm I'm easy, I think. I'm an easy person to get along with. I'm calm, okay. gentle. I don't know. How many are
1: lines. you <laughs> are you would you say you're optimistic or or more pessimistic?
2: Um, I think when it comes to outside of myself, I'm optimistic. When I'm talking okay. about myself, I'm more pessimistic. But when okay. I'm describing others and things around me, I'm more optimistic.
1: So, why would you be more pessimistic when you're talking about you? I'm
2: hard on myself. I'm I'm a perfectionist.
1: Uh, okay. Can, can I use that word, perfectionist? Is that yes. a word that people would- Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, uh, along that line, then, are you organized?
2: Yes, I'm organized.
1: So, you can m- make stuff come together because you understand the, the process and you could think through the strategy to get from uh-huh. A to B. Yes.
2: Okay.
1: So are you strategic as well, you think?
2: Uh, Yes, I would say I am.
1: What about, uh, you You talked about some of these other things that are very warm. Would you say that you're, are you compassionate?
2: Yes, I'm compassionate.
1: And and can I put together with that caring? Would you say you're caring as well?
2: Yes, I'm caring.
1: When we talk about what is your purpose in life? Well, your purpose in life is about being a human being. Right, right. so uh, even though I have many times in the past stressed, okay, what are you going to do as a human being? Uh, But first of all, you have to you have to be comfortable to say, I am a human being, and this is what I bring to the world, and those things that you that you are, those things that you are, without even really thinking about them. This this is how you show up. Those have everything to do with what you might consider being of value for you to bring to the world around you Um, because every one of us has gifts every one of us has has things that we really enjoy things that we're good at things that we uh, that we can make a contribution with not very much effort and those things are the gifts that we've been given so when you start thinking about some of these words these rep- really represent gifts that that you have been given for the way that you show up in the world because not everybody is like this right <laughs> you're you're there there's a certain level of uniqueness about this but then of course you are unique yourself as a person there's things about you that no one else has and those things are as you put all of these things together in in their package um and if you are in the in the process of Living your life and being a human being, the the effect that you have outside of that uh, has everything to do with the gifts that you bring, because these are things that people will experience from you. Be- so, um, as you as you think about this, I've got you thinking now in the line of of who you are. And, and what do you think you've lost as a result of the last thirteen years, the accident, and then everything that followed?
2: I lost. It's tough ones. I lost the life I had made up in my mind.
3: That says a lot.
2: Yeah.
1: And what was that life? What are the things that you feel like you've lost?
2: Well, I was. Um, I had a career. In that life, I had uh, I had a husband. I had a son that I saw every day. I was able to do whatever I wanted. Exercise. I used to jog. Run half marathon. That was my, that was my passion jogging. Hmm. You imagine a life for yourself and how it's going to turn out. And then it doesn't happen. And I'm, you know, like I'm, it's okay because my son is healthy and I'm happy and the way things have turned out, it's a different reality,
3: Mm.
2: but, um, it's not a worse one Mm -hmm. in the sense that, yes, I have pain. I live with pain and, you know, I can, I can dwell on it and I can sit there and complain and, and I can cry about it. But my accident could have been much worse. There are people that have it much worse than me. Like you said just before, I, I can still do many, many things,
3: mm.
2: you know? Mm. And, um, there's a lot of things. Yes, I did lose, but there's a lot of things I did gain you know in those 13 years because i wasn't working i got to see beautiful things i got to see my son walk for the first time say his first words hmm. Hmm. some some things that some parents don't see because they're at work right and i remember when i went back to work after maternity leave i cried and cried and cried, and cried because I was leaving him for work. So I think that, yes, bad things do happen or sad things do happen, but you can always sort of find some positive or something you can grow from it.
1: During the time, the 13 years, did you, I asked you about your dreams but did you ever have anything sort of concrete in your mind? You know, if I if I do get the chance and and everything works out here and I get the settlement that that I should get, uh, saying that I don't have to go back to work again. Uh, here are some things I would really love to do. Is there you know besides the volunteering and the things that that we talked about before? You're redecorating and and that kind of stuff, which you could do. On your own schedule. So, you know, if you didn't feel well enough on a certain day, there was no mm-hmm. obligation for you to, to do something. But did you did you ever have things that you, I don't mean just dreams, but things that you envisioned that you could do so you could actually see yourself doing that with the limitations of the pain?
2: I don't think, to be 100% honest, I don't think I ever did. And that okay. sounds awful. And I really think I didn't because I was so afraid to allow myself to dream in that, in that Mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. Because I never once believed that in the end, things could turn out in a positive way for me. Okay. And I didn't allow myself to think that it could maybe. My brain didn't even go there.
1: So could it go there now?
2: I'm trying, but it's, I think I, I said it to you before, it's, it's kind of like the, the feeling that I've had since the news. It's been a year now. It's going to make okay. a year and it's almost a surreal feeling it's like my guard is is still up a little bit it's it's like it won't sink in and mm. i'm mm. having trouble just putting my guard down and letting letting the dust fall you know and and accepting that i mean i it's as as though i, I can't believe it you know it, it won't okay. it's that kind of feeling that i i'm al- i'm always on guard
1: I do think you need to um, recapture uh, a, a so that you that guard can come down. I, okay. I think you need to recapture the the belief that you could do something and that there are no uh, limitations imposed on you from the outside, limitations of your pain, etc. I understand that, but but you know no limitations where the insurance is telling you don't don't leave the house or you can't do this or you know if we catch you then you're in you're in trouble. So. You've got to disconnect from that and that's not an easy thing to do. That's why mm-hmm. I was asking you about, you know, what are you doing to manage the physical pain, but also the mental and psychological pain? That's a long time to be to to be living under that. Yeah, um, but what I would suggest that you do is I, I suggest that you try a couple of little experiments, just see what kinds of things capture you. So you know what you were s- describing about uh, building shelters for the cats, okay, for the winter. Uh, you know, I, um, that was something that you could do. I, I guess on your own, you can construct the the shelter. And if you, it wasn't a very good day, then it wouldn't matter. You could do it tomorrow or the day after or whatever. So you didn't have that pressure on you, but you were doing something that, in the from the compassion of your heart, you said, "This is what I really want to do. This for these animals." So I'm thinking that if you, if you did a, f- a few little experiments, if you tried a couple of things, like if you went down to the animal shelter and you volunteered for a day and just see what you feel like and what is that like for your, for your pain uh, to, to manage that, uh, see if yet that fire is still there for that. Another little experiment you could do is if you have, um, a small, um, thing of, of wood that you could work with and finish. So maybe not a piece of furniture, because that could be a big project, right? I mean, even a chair could be a big project, but if you could take something that you're working with wood and just see what that feels like for you, Uh, you know, if you're, if you're having to sand or you're having to carve or you're having to, to, uh, you know, paint or finish or whatever, just try a couple of little things and see if you feel like that. Flame is still there for that, or if you could say, okay, for sure, this is not something that I'm going to be. no, this is not part of my future. It's just too too iffy for me. And then you know you could start looking at some other things. But I'd really encourage you to to uh, take the the list of things that you said to me about you, which is generous, easygoing, calm, gentle, uh, optimistic. Where you're, you're a perfectionist, you're organized you're compassionate and caring, you're strategic, you're kind. When you do these experiments, just keep in mind the things that you've said to me about you and say, are these really, are they making these things shine? Are they letting these things come to the forefront? And, and if they are, uh, then it, you, it may be something that you want to consider. And, and I strongly suggest that you maybe, uh, make a list of, of things that you've done, experiments that you've done and things where you said, okay, this is, this is maybe, this is a maybe, this is a for sure no. Uh, this is a for sure yes. And just start letting yourself explore with some of the different ideas that you had when you couldn't really do anything about them. And I I think if you do that, it'll start moving you past that reticence that you have to feel like it, this is, this is surreal. I'm not even sure that this actually happened to me. You know, I think, and probably this is the reason why you wanted to be a guest on the podcast, because I think you know that if it's been a year, if you don't, if you don't do something to create some meaning around your life, you're not going to be happy. You're not going to feel fulfilled. And, you know, in the process of doing that, I would, I'm going to come back to this principle of, of human being as opposed to human doing. Make sure that you're not, uh, trying to now fill up your life with things that you do in order to feel like you have a, a place or, or, or something to, you know, that you're making some sort of a contribution. But who is Annie? Because who Annie is has not been adversely affected by the accident. Or even by these thirteen years, you might have tamped down some things about you that could come to the front, and that may be because of the pain. But you know, maybe there, there's something there that that you want to explore. You know, I remember I used to be like this and this. I I used to be like the life of the party, or or whatever. You might want to just experiment with that kind of thing. So I think there are all kinds of things that represent who you are that you could be playing with and just experimenting with. But just don't get let yourself get caught up in a thing of okay, I need to be doing something now. Because what, what you're doing right now is just exploring. So you want to keep track sort of of those things that really resonate with you and those that don't. And uh, and I think that as you do that, a picture is going to start emerging for you of what the future might look like and what you might like to do. And you you have the luxury of time. And I think that if you're uh, doing something about like this exploration and doing these experiments, I don't think you're going to feel like you're feeling right now where I, I need to be doing something, but I don't know Ready. what it is. You'll be engaged and you'll be, uh, you know, experimenting with the feelings about that. So I think that would be a good first step for you. And, uh, and then maybe something to, uh, to follow up later, you know, um, we might have another conversation. Maybe you'll come on another podcast, and and we can talk about the progress that you've made and and see where to go from there. But I think you got to take some of these initial steps mm-hmm. to to get the clarity that you had before when you imagined the life that you were going to live, and now it felt like that got snatched away from you. I think yeah. there are a lot of aspects of the life that you imagined that you can still have.
2: Right. I agree yeah. absolutely. I think also we get wrapped up in like how we have to fill it up with we're focused on on ourselves and it's mm-hmm. not so much on ourselves but about something that we're giving back how mm-hmm. it's not about mm-hmm. me but it's how you mm-hmm. said you know it's it's our, focusing on our gifts and how the purpose is to give that away
1: and that's where the fulfillment is, right? right? When you give, then you receive and you set up this cycle that is all part of life, right? Giving and right. receiving. Right. So Janelle, do you have anything to to add here? Anything that you've observed as as we've been talking here.
0: Annie, I think you have a, a beautiful mindset and yeah. you have a great energy. So for me, just listening to you and and hearing your process of grieving. A life that you dreamed about, I think it's powerful. First of all, I think you have to give yourself the time and space to grieve that. I think it's fair. Like, I think not even, I know you said that you have these mindfulness moments and you do what's best for you, for sure. Mm -hmm. But you deserve a lot of time to process Mm -hmm. that emotion and to Mm -hmm. decompress the stress of hanging on for 13 years at the mercy of a system. Mm -hmm. So, I think it takes like a lot of i don't want to use this term flippantly and i have no idea if it's even appropriate but like a little ptsd like yeah. that's 13 years of in limbo land you know right. they, and you you couldn't make any firm decisions and i can see it in everything you're saying like you're bursting with potential you're bursting with endless things that you can contribute to the world and to people in your community uh. it's just that you need this time i feel i really feel like you need the time to process this grief. Thank you. And then the second thing I was going to say is um, your story can hugely impact other people who have gone through similar things and you have like real leadership and intuitive gifts I can pick up already just from this conversation Uh, and the, the way that you could bring support and help to others, even if it's creating a group in your community, if it's creating a group online If it's making social media posts about this type of thing, or -hmm. if it's about making social media posts about animals or whatever it is that you field it up about. But I think your personal story of of a completely derailed dream of what a life would look like. How many mm -hmm. of us do that? We have a picture. We think Mm -hmm. it's going to go like that. We don't expect to experience a complete derail. And you've gone through this. You Mm -hmm. have... Huge things to offer people who've gone through similar things or who are who are currently experiencing that. Okay. So I hope, like, I know that uh, Ron was talking about. For, you have some initial first steps, and the experiments okay. sound they sound brilliant. I think they'll be perfect for you. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that looking further ahead, um, your life is oozing with purpose by just being Annie, by just talking about your story, by sharing it with others, by being a support network to other people going through similar things. I'm so excited for what's ahead for you. No, thank you. I really believe that everything happens for a reason. And although it's difficult to imagine the loss of a marriage, a career, and a pain-free existence as a gift, or as leading Annie towards something incredible, there is value in the experience. And from it, she already is and will continue to impact the lives of others. I hope you'll join us next week where we connect with Annie again just a few weeks after our initial conversation. She'll tell us how this conversation impacted her in the weeks that followed and in a beautiful moment of honest transparency, she'll share with us what it means to be a human being versus a human doing. See you then. What did you think of this episode? Join the private Change Evolutionist community chat to share your thoughts. Find the link in the show notes. You can now record or text a question through Pod Inbox. Just head over to podinbox.com forward slash human being project and set up an account. Your question, comment, or feedback, and our response to it, may be featured in a future episode. So, what are you waiting for? Never miss an episode. Get notification to your inbox when a new episode is released. Download to your device or listen wherever you get your podcasts. To get notifications, go to thechangeevolutionist.com forward slash subscribe. Ron Thiessen is a practicing psychologist and educator. To apply as a guest on the podcast, please visit thechangeevolutionist.com forward slash podcast guest.